George Kilpatrick, inspiration for the nation, celebrating people we feel good about. Wow. Do we feel good about this, sister? <laughs> Felicia Leggett, Jack, the head coach of the University of Buffalo Bulls, but she's Nottingham's <laughs> own and just made history. The first <laughs> woman to have her number retired at Syracuse University recently as part of the Orange. Uh, you was It was like the Orange women back in your day, right? Orange uh, women, yes. Yes, yes, Orange yes. women back in the day. Uh, played for the Orange women, actually coached for the Orange women. Orange women back in the day are now the head coach of University of Buffalo, the Bulls. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about how your season is going uh, and everything. But, wow, Felicia, so excited to have you on the show. <laughs> and I said, I, when I saw you on ESPN, I said, I got to get Felicia on. We've got to talk to Felicia about how amazing that moment was. So take, take us back to that day at the Carrier Dome when they raised your number to the rafters. Surreal. You know, it's, it was surreal. There's so many different things that went through my mind. You know, one is my family, you know, knowing how my dad <clears throat> left South Carolina to, to, to bring us to a better place, my mom a better place. And Syracuse was the home that he chose. And, you know, my mom and dad didn't survive their marriage. Um, uh, uh, since I was eight, my dad left. And but we still had to carry on. So my mom was a single parent, you know, for the majority of our lives. And you know, living in Brick City, you look up that hill saying, maybe one day, nah, could be, ah, uh, ah. Uh, but you, you, you kind of dream from a distance and then you get an opportunity not just to just go there, but to also play and excel there and get two degrees. And then they say you're worthy enough to not just even be there, but to raise your number. That hit me in a lot of women. You know, we're the first woman to be raised in the rafters. One, two, our community. Uh, coming from Brick City Housing Authority, uh, it says that hope is there. And then, you know, it, 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 it just hits you in so many different ways. I just, I don't know if I deserve it all, but I just hope that everybody realized that anybody that touched me or went through what I've been through can have that word called hope. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and you just reminded me, I'm just thinking about the visual of Brick City just about... Let, I mean, you. It's very. The dome is very visible, right from 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 the bricks. You know, it's it's like that aspiration, right? How close it is uh, to Syracuse yeah. University, right? Uh, and you look up, uh, and you see the dome is 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 right there. Or at that time, Syracuse University uh, and, and the dome as well. And so, I, I how did you get notified? Was there a campaign? by the way, and how did you get notified that you were going to have the first jersey retired? Well, I assume it was a campaign and uh, a lot, lot of work done behind the scenes that you don't, you're not privy to, right. but I was getting a, an award from the commissioner, uh, a citation from the commissioner saying, job well done, and uh, we were um, doing a clip for that, and Rachel Vassell, she was um, setting it all up, and then she said, I got a call. Somebody wanted to talk to you on the phone. I said, sure. I'm thinking it's all about the commissioner's uh, citation. And it was John Wildhack, <clears throat> the AD. And he said that he's actually, they're redoing the dome. And uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, the dome's already amazing. Congratulations. And, well, we need your help. And we want to have you put some things in the dome. I said, well, you know, I'm here. It's my alma mater. Of course, sir. He said, well, we want to put your jersey in there. And I still don't get what he's talking about. <laughs> we want to have you be the first woman to get her, your jersey retired. Mm. 
And that just hit my soul, you know, all the hard work, you know, my family, my community, and also my um, sisters that play basketball with me, it all came rushing through my mind, like, look what we've done, you know, together, and and they're going to notice us for the rest of our lives and, and your children's lives, and to God be the glory. Yeah, to God be the glory. And of course, number 33 now hangs in the rafters, the first uh, women's basketball player to have uh, your number retired. And uh, I, whenever I listen to you speak and whenever I hear you uh, speak, I always uh, I, I think of of the 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 role model that you must see yourself as or uh, maybe you don't see yourself as a role model. But certainly you it has to be aspirational for 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 young people in this community, not just women's uh, or girls, but but also for for the fellas. Speak to that legacy a little bit. Well, you know, <clears throat> I think it's important as you as you climb your reach and, and bring. Uh, my mom always taught us that, you know, for her to, you know, retire making $36,000 after a life, 30 something years of working at the VA hospital. She always found room to feed other people. She always found time for other people, even though she worked two jobs and raised five children. And so as she tried to climb, she always brought people with her. <clears throat> she never talked about that, but her actions spoke about that. And that's what I picked up from her. And I just realized that you're never as great as you are, but you're you're not as bad as others might see you as. Mm-hmm. And so continue to climb because your time is coming, but never forget to bring others with you. And, you know, I, I, I call it, you know, P-dubs, you know, phenomenal women. Phenomenal women has the humility uh, to, to ask for help. Right. And phenomenal women bring other people with them. And that's what I aspire to become every single day. I understand that. And it's so, so funny because, I, you know, you're actually uh, in the middle of sex, right? You're going to the office or if you, you're going to get your, your, your girls ready. And uh, you, I laughed because you said something about I'm going to be using my voice. <laughs> I, I think you said I'll be yelling a little bit. You know, what does it mean for you to, you know, you're coaching uh, I mean, you, you started as a high school coach and then uh, into the college ranks. And now here at Buffalo, you were assistant at Syracuse as well. Uh, what does that what does that leadership mean for you as a as a because you got to motivate these young women or do you? Because because I hear two different things about what motivation is like. You got to motivate yourself. So how do you see your role in impacting uh, your players? Well, I, I think it's important. <clears throat> women have a tendency is to hope somebody notice them. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we wait our turn and we're very, we're, we're very respectful in that way. Uh, and I think that we lack respect when we don't use our voice. I think that the three words that we use here a lot is we, uh, we, we too matter. And mm-hmm. um, we have to, in order to, 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 to own that power, you have to use your voice. You gotta be right. You gotta be wrong. You gotta be something, but they need to know that you're in the room. And I, you know, I think we're about 51% of the population, if not 52%. And so we're we, we're the majority, but yet we don't have the majority of uh, of opportunities. I think one of the reasons is because we don't use our voice because we want to be perfect when we speak, mm-hmm. you know. And, and our male uh, colleagues, they just go after it and and say oops, and you know, we'll, we'll we'll get that right the next time. And and they they are wrong out loud a lot, and that's why people notice them. And some and the times they're right, they get picked up for those opportunities. And I just tell our players all the time, you know, 
your voice has to matter to yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you're just speaking in the air and nobody, knows, you got to use your voice. And that's something I didn't do. And I, you know, I walk with my head down to the 10th grade. I was the shyest person you can ever imagine. And through this game of basketball, I got my confidence and but is able to look people in their eye and speaking is still uncomfortable for me, but I have to do it because it's not just for me anymore. It's for those who want to hear that a voice like mine is being listened to. So therefore I got to at least try. So how did you get interested in basketball? My brothers, yeah, my sister, yeah. my entire family played the cheap sport. Mm-hmm. You know, we couldn't be doing no no hockey or or, or <laughs> no 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 tennis and things right. that cost money. We had to do things that was cheap and kept you know ourselves out of trouble. My mom worked a couple jobs and we all played basketball. You know, from Lonnie Leggett who played at South Alabama, Ronnie Leggett who played at West Virginia State and was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys and the um, Golden State Warriors. And my sister Annette, I think arguably was the best player that never went to college. She got pregnant at 15, but was re- uh, recruited by Pat Head Summit at Tennessee. And my sister Janice, she, she dabbled a little bit too. And so as a youngest person in the family who really kind of sat around and gotten to watch her siblings, I decided to do what they did. And that was to play the game of basketball. And you did it very well. How much of an influence was Mariana Freeman to you? She was amazing. Uh, more so as an African-American woman. Mm-hmm. She just always, whenever we got, I used to love going on road trips with Coach Freeman, called her Coach Free back in the day, because every time we got in that car, she just exuded history. Mm. She just, she knew the black culture. She knew, you know, I never knew that the, the, the person who built uh, Washington C was a black man. That mm. I, the first person that told me about who built the white house was, was our, our black on the backs of black people, mm. Marianna Freeman. She was the most historian person I ever encountered. And I just was, it was a wealth of knowledge. She was the, the president of the black coaches association. And I was the person that had to go get the people from the airport to bring to her office to meet with her, people like John Thompson and, you know, and, the, and an eclectic group of people that I was in awe of. And I'm up there picking them up at the airport to bring them to her office. And <clears throat> I just wish that she was still in the game yeah. because I think that she can be so powerful, not necessarily with the X's and O's and the wins and losses, but the knowledge she has to share with people like us. And uh, as she accepted stage for me, I'm hoping that I'm lifting others the way she did me. You know what I when I think of Mariana Freeman, a former coach at Syracuse from his basketball, I'm gonna this is what I think of a hole in this. So so for the for those of you who are listening on the radio, I've got a, a white, I got a piece of paper balled up in my hand because she would she would always have this. So what was that she had in her hand? <laughs> uh, you know what's so interesting? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a something that was came from Vivian Stringer. Okay. It was, it was her notes. And so Vivian Stringer used to do that. Mariana Freeman did that. And if you notice, the winningest coach uh, in, in, our, in our women's basketball right now is the highest paid woman in the history of Black women, Dawn Staley. Dawn Staley has a rolled up paper and I don't know whether it's notes on that or is this uh, her, her, her homage paying homage to uh, uh, the best women's coach that whoever coached the game in, in, in Vivian Stringer. Do you think that uh, women's basketball with the, with the dominance of UConn, for example, has finally uh, etched this, 
do you, what, what do you what, what about the state of women's basketball? Do you think it's where it needs to be in terms of how we view it? You know, uh, obviously there's more opportunities right now than there ever been. You know, we have a WNBA. Uh, what do you think? I think it's growing. I think it's grown expeditiously in the last five years. I think what just happened with Dawn Staley says, uh, hope is here. If you work, you can become. Um, I love what we've done here at University at Buffalo. The fan base is is, is, is powerful. Like last night, we had almost 3,000 people at our game. And it was, you know, it, the energy here is, is, is this is a place, Buffalo is a place where people love sport. Yeah. If you play a sport well, they're going to support it. You know, uh, like tonight, they're going to be a, a Bills game and it's going to be sold out and our men's basketball. And so I, I love what we're building here. And um, I love what we've done as women's basketball coaches. And we don't, we're doing the work. And now these ADs are, are noticing us to be a, a viable option uh, for a money-making situation at our, at these institutions. And um, they're, they're paying, there's, they're not just one or two millionaires that's coaching at this level. It's 20, 30 coaches that's well over a million dollars base salary. I'm not one of them, of course, but mm-hmm. I like that there's, there, there's, there's no ceiling in it anymore. You just keep working and keep your head down. Great things are happening uh, for women's basketball. I just love that, you know, women's coaches <clears throat> are in the, the NBA, women in general are now the general managers of, you know, professional NBA teams, football, you know, we got women in. So we're just coaches and, and great people that's happened to be in different positions. Now you finding us everywhere. I know you may not want to, but how, what, what about coach Q here at Syracuse? What, what, what's your feeling about that? I have no feeling about that. I, I wish everybody well. I, I don't, I don't know coach Q personally so I don't have any kind of nostalgic feeling good or bad mm-hmm. I just hope that you know uh the, the the team find peace I think that you know they're in good hands right now with the coach that they have and uh they they're doing well right now and I always want the best for the place that I've done some fantastic things mm-hmm. along with my teammates and I just want always want great for Syracuse always let's talk about the Bulls so how how are you feeling about your season I like our chances. I, I like my team. I like the work ethic. I like that they let me be my my authentic, crazy self. And they know like today is going to be a day where in two days before a game, I get after them hard. We, we got to beat them way before we play them. And I think it's a two-day window where you have to really fine-tune things. And they let me do it. They're, oh, here we go, coach. And, and they laugh with me and they let me be myself. And I got a great uh, player in um, the Asia Fair, one of the top 20 scorers in the country and summer Hemphill came back for a six year having a player come back and want to be with you for six years says a little bit about who you are as a person I think and I'm grateful for that and there are a lot of like like a lot of role players that that you know we're not the best talented team but we're, we're the best team for me right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and and I guess what you're basically saying is I know what I'm working with and if I can get my girls to play as hard and as gritty as I can possibly get, we're going to be in the games is what I'm hearing. That's what I'm reading into what you say. You know, I, I um, uh, let me see. I uh, leave this message here. Sorry. Um, can, can you, did yeah, I got you, you, you're there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing this on this phone. You know, I, I never call my players girls. 
Okay, you know, excuse I, me. I, I'm I, sorry. I, 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 <laughs> but I just know I can't. I, that's why I left high school because I I can't coach girls because I, I my responsibility was too strong mm-hmm. for the, the next group of people that's going to lead the world. And so I tell my players all the time, you know, if you're 18 to 22 years old, never let anybody call you a girl. Okay. Because they don't call them boys. And so I say, well, um, I think that you know. What, what I do mostly than other than we don't talk about winning or losing. We talk about growing you to the, be a phenomenal woman. You come in with me as a young woman. I hope to get you to, to sustain that for these four years. When your brain is fully developed at 25, you will be that phenomenal woman that you aspire to become because you came and played with me and for me. And so we talk about that young kid that never saw basketball being played before because they see you on a basketball court. They want to become. Mm-hmm. as you're becoming and so we talk life lessons all the time and i get that from coach freeman like don't just be a coach don't just put a ball out there and say xo run this defense and, you know it's really personal for me you don't know how long you're going to be in it being a, a coach that was fired you don't know about your tomorrows mm-hmm. you know with this pandemic you don't know about your tomorrows the conversation we had offline we don't know about our tomorrows right and so today is the day I try to give you the best I can give you. If you have to be the mother of your family, you know, the, the partner with whoever, how are you going to lead? And we talk about legacy and leading more than we talk about winning and mm. losing. We never talk about losing. It's either winning and learn or learning. Or winning both. and learning. Yes. Yes. You, 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 you talked about being fired. How do you keep your confidence about your abilities? I mean, you were hired right after that, but how do you keep your confidence when you are fired? Oh, I'm losing you a little bit. Sorry. Oh, oh yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> George, uh, I can see you. I can hear you. Can you hear? I, I'm sorry, George. I, I can still hear can you. you. Hear me? Yes, yes, I can still hear you. But you're talking like that for some reason. All right, can you hear me now? Okay, good. Right. All right. So I said you yes. once you you talked about being fired. How do you come yeah. back from that? And not not take it personally, knowing that, and then you're hired right after that. So how do you how do you recover from that when when you have a quote setback like that? You do take it personally. You, you have do. to, okay, because it, it personally affected you. And so it really I struggled with that. Here I am. I've done everything right in my opinion, and yet I still wasn't good enough to not be fired. But then you look back and say the best thing that happened to me outside of being married to my great husband and my having my my son was being fired. The lessons I've learned through that showed my resilience, my fight, my comeback, my second chance, me not taking for granted these opportunities. Uh, my humility is is a hundred percent, and uh, and I understand the sense of urgency of our tomorrows that are not promised. So today is the day I got to give it my best effort. And so I'm grateful for that, that opportunity of being fired. All right, here we go. Lastly, cause I'm, I'm, I want you to get in there and get your women. You hear me? Get your women ready. I don't know. Uh, give us some tips right. on, on yeah, being our, guess. yeah. Well, uh, give us some tips on being our best uh, so that we can succeed in things that we want to do from a, co- from a coach's perspective. Everybody uh, has the right to be great. It's about the perspective mentally that you you come from. 
And I think that if we think you can, you're already halfway there. So then you got to put some work into it. You can't sit back and say, I think I'm great now. Let the great come. No, you got to go take it every day. Don't give me that, that, you know, I'm too poor. I've been there. Don't give me that. I'm from a single parent. We've been there. We, all those things that, that, that says naysayers, I may not become is excuses. And then we, and I got this from Mariana Freeman. She always said, excuses are the tools of the incompetent. Those who use them sell them in anything except for excuses. And it builds monuments to nothingness. Our four words we use here is what is the solution? If you want greatness, Find that solution to greatness and go take it every single day. Alicia Leggett Jack, first woman basketball player to have her jersey um, to be retired at Syracuse University. Number 33, when you go to the basketball games and football games, whatever, number 33 will be in the rafters, a legacy for our community. And she's our own. From the ham, right? When you buy that jersey from the store, I pray that you don't see just a 33 and a woman wore it. I hope that that 33 means the same kind of thing that the 44 means to, to the men's side, that somebody decided to just roll her sleeves up and work hard. And she came from your community and she is becoming, she's, we're not there yet, but the fight is real, but we're, we're equipped for the fight. So that's what 33 means now, guys. And, you know, when you wear that number, embrace that number because it's called blue collar work. Mm. So, so fitting. Felicia Leggett Jap. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for making some time for us in the midst of all yeah. of that you got going on. She represents for her hometown <laughs> inspiration for the nation. <laughs> always. All right. Take care. Three, three, five, always in my heart. Love, love you. 315 represent inspiration for the nation.